Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfair is presented by the Project Derailed Patreon. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, please consider becoming a patron. You'll get access to patron VIP channels on our Discord, extended Q&A episodes, and a patron-exclusive monthly podcast, Derailed Off the Rails. Head to patreon.com slash projectderailed for more info. Marco, you are sitting alone in your dorm at Elterchell Academy. Once simply the estate of the noble Elterchell family, the academy has now grown much over the last few decades, expanding into the nearby properties, taking up more and more of Waterdeep's affluent seaward. You know that the spring ball of the Altorchel Academy is currently taking place now, though after attending it year after year and it being the same stuffy formal affair followed by the rager that all of the students turn it into, neither of which are very much Marco's speed. And on top of this, Marco, you've currently had a breakthrough in your own personal research. In your studies of piecing together information about magical space travel that you've slowly been finding clues for, you discovered that the archives of Candlekeep have an item that they acquired through mysterious circumstances. Not being able to decipher it themselves, they put it in storage, labeling it basically unimportant. But it, the fact that it was found in a crater in the middle of nowhere has all of the trappings of something beyond Toral. You are able to pull some strings with some contacts that you've made there, and they were able to send you this item. And it just so happened to have arrived today. The large wooden crate being delivered directly to your dorm room. Prying off the lid, you find inside a smaller box, still decently large, about two feet by two feet in any direction, painted a brilliant crimson and decorated with intricate gold filigree. It appears to be some sort of puzzle box, undoubtedly of Shu Lung origin, and you've yet to be able to figure out how to get inside it. So as you're sitting here in your dorm room examining this box, the faint sound of music coming from the academy ballroom, a building over, what would you like to do? I look over the box... I'm gonna I'm gonna assume I would have instantly like made an arcana check. So I'm probably gonna go with an investigation check. If this isn't gonna work with magic, then I have to solve the puzzle. So I think that would probably be my next like logical step. Sure. Right. 
That is a 14. Yeah, you look over the box and through like your detect magic and stuff, there is a magic element to it. However, it only seems to be there to prevent magical tampering. It's some sort of abjuration magic that blocks your attempt to cast knock and other similar magic to magically infiltrate this box. Other than that, there doesn't have any enchantment on it. Okay. And the top of the box has what appears to be a model of planets set into concentric ring tracks around the stylized gilded depiction of a sun. And you being familiar with the planets in your local solar system, space travel or not, can identify the sun, Anadia, Koliar, Toral, Aber, Carpri, Chandros, Glyth, Garden, and Hekatha. However, even though these little orbs that represent the planets are in tracks, you try to move them and they don't budge. The next face, the one of the four side faces of the cube, depicts a robed figure pointing up at a starry sky. There's a curved sword scabbard on his belt, but no hilt coming out of it. The next face depicts a pagoda-like tower with a small wooden double doors at its base, carved to look like there are chains crisscrossing across it, and a brass keyhole in the center. Ribbons of silk come down from the peak of the tower and kind of entwine around it. The next face is a carved relief of a shoe sailing boat with floral sails spread out like a fan. It almost looks like it's an actual fan that is attached to the side of the box. And the ship is depicted on a glassy water that is reflecting the stars from the night sky above. And the last face depicts a serpentine lung dragon in a ring biting its own tail with the depiction of a world in its center, presumably Toral. And outside of the ring of the dragon is eight circular medallions etched into the side of the cube. And each one has a glyph on it that you do not recognize. And that's the cube. Nothing's on the bottom. Okay. I think my first step would maybe go to the fan. It seems like the most like tangible, interactable thing. Yeah. The, the fan is pressed pretty close to the side of the box. And as you touch it, it does give slightly like it will move and collapse. But something seems to be locking it into position as it is now. Hmm. At that point, you hear a tapping coming from the window. Your blinds are currently drawn shut. I look up curious, um, put the box down, walk over to the window and, and pull open the curtains. Yeah, you see a tan brown barn owl flapping its wings in like you startled it when you pulled back the curtains. But you recognize it immediately as Tashi sitting on the windowsill. And as soon as the curtains pull back, Hannah poofs into your room, her now having line of sight through the window. As she misty steps. Oh, Hannah, um, I, I would have expected a knock, but this works just fine. Yeah, this was more fun this way. And you see that she's actually dressed like she's going to the ball. She's in a green silk evening dress. Her hair is done up. Her makeup's all done. Are you coming from the ball or heading to the ball? Both, I suppose. What are you up to? Um... Well, I got a, a package today, a box for my research um, on space travel from the archives of Candlekeep, and uh, it's a very interesting looking uh, puzzle box, so I guess my mind's been wrapped around that for most of the day as I've been, um, I guess, shirking my other responsibilities. It's uh, 
quite fascinating. Um, yeah, she's looking around your room because you've kind of had all of your research like spread out all over the place, and she's never actually been up here. Yeah, thinking about that box and other things I see, I really like the decoration in here. It's very um, psychopath chic. <laughs> oh well, um, uh, thank you. There's a, I mean, there's a method to it. You know, over here is kind of uh, designs that I found of spaceships over here various theories on how it is theoretically possible these are a couple of notes on the magical properties um but I'm, I'm i'm prattling so um but yeah this and he um i'm just gonna like pick up the box and just put it on the table um in front of hannah and be like and th this is it it's uh it it is a large box it basically takes up the whole the whole table and it is pretty heavy so you do have to like heft it <laughs> yeah there's kind of like a like and this is the uh, box i'm uh, uh. Tashi kind of startles and uh, shrieks and jumps up onto Hannah's shoulder. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, Tashi, I didn't mean to. Um, but yes, uh, see this uh, quite ornate. Um, but I'm not really. My mind's really at a loss right now on where to go from here. It's uh, I can't get into it with magic. There is some sort of spell that keeps it from from opening. But uh, there's clearly I imagine that's what kept all the people at Candle keep from getting into it either. I swear, if they can't solve a problem with magic, they just think it's unsolvable. No, exactly. I mean, they lock it away. I mean, that was the thing. They, they labeled this thing unimportant, but this could actually be of great important value. It's, you know, things you find just laying around in a old closet. For real? She She's now kind of observing the box very intensely, kind of turning it. Huh. Well... Have you have you done anything with the schools of magic here? I'm um, I'm sorry, what? Um, She's pointing at the face that has the dragon on it, and it has eight symbols around it in glyphs you didn't recognize. And she goes, "These these are the shoe symbols for the different schools of magic." Oh oh goodness um, yeah, um I, I don't I, I don't speak or, or read shoes, so I, I wasn't really sure. But um, I, I took four years of it in high school. Oh but God oh, thank you, Hannah. Yes um. What are they? I mean, can you translate them for me real quick? Well, yeah. I mean, you know the schools of magic, and she oh, of course. Uh, she'll point them out and go around the circle, basically. Conjuration, necromancy, evocation, abjuration, transmutation, enchantment, divination, and illusion. Make an arcana check for me, Marco. All right. All right, so that is a uh, non-natural 20. Yeah, those are, in fact, the eight schools of magic. But those are the eight schools of magic as they are traditionally listed in their, like, order. There's, like, a specific order in how arcane schools teach them. And that is correct, except enchantment and divination are swapped. So um, I think with that information, I'd probably go in order um, the way it is and then put them back in order for enchantment and divination. So the medallions themselves do not move. They are etched mm -hmm. into the box itself. But as you kind of feel around on the face, the dragon does rotate the ring created by this dragon relief. Um, I would I would probably rotate it then to enchantment and divination. Yeah, you do it. And you hear a soft click coming from the other side of the box. Um, on that, like, I, I look over immediately, like, just like, in trance, just pop over and see what 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 did I do? <laughs> uh, so like, Hannah sees me just like click, and then just kind of like a cat just springs over to the other side. Yeah, eyes like wide. Um, 
you don't immediately see a difference, but as you feel around the sail of the ship, the fan now uh, is moving freely and you can, with your hand, collapse the blades of the fan. Um, yeah, and I, I do so. Yeah, and as you do so, it actually reveals an eye painted amongst the stars in the background behind the ship. But when the sail uh, completely compresses, there's a click and a compartment on the boat itself, almost like a cargo door opens. And you see a small key with a silk ribbon attached to it. I pull out the key, um, kind of like with like the face of wonderment, eyes wide, smiling, um, and show it to Hannah. It's like, Hannah, you, you, you did it. Thank you so much. And he's going to kind of like... Like, uh, just kind of like throw an arm around her and just kind of like, yes, we, you know, we did it together. And there's like, oh, that's, um, uh, sorry, got, got, uh, carried away. But either way, yes, the key. Hannah seems just as engrossed in this task as you are. This is way more exciting than receiving an award. Oh, and like at that point, Marco's like, oh, you were receiving an award today. That's right. It's, I mean, I was up for one. I don't know if I won or whatever. Like the, the ceremony's probably in a little bit. I could probably get back. I heard that's a... Uh, yes, of course. Um, all right, let's let's see what it does. And uh, yeah, insert the key into the keyhole. Yeah, you do so, and the door opens first, but then the actual whole like face of the pagoda like opens as well. And inside, you see a beautifully sculpted some sort of tentacle creature, like an octopus, carved out of smooth jet black obsidian. But as the light hits it, you can almost see there's gold flakes suspended within it somehow. And impaled through the center of this obsidian figure is a tiny gilded sword with a long, slender, curved blade. All right, there was a part of the box that had a, a sword etched into it. Yeah, the scabbard, right? Yes. Yeah, well, first, I would take, like, the, uh, the head. First, would I be familiar at all with, like, illithids at this point? I mean, yes, you like you, you know what an illithid is. This doesn't look like an illithid. It is just some sort of like vague tentacle creature. Okay, I set that aside for the moment um, and then take the, the sword and put it into the scabbard. Yeah, when you do so, it's the figure standing there pointing up. And when you place the sword all the way in, the head actually tilts back slightly to look further upwards. And there is a click coming from the top of the box. I think uh, probably with, like, Hannah together, just, like, two heads just slowly, like, looking into the box. So the box isn't open yet. The oh. top face of the box appears to be, like, a astrolabe, a representation of realm space. The individual worlds set into concentric circular tracks. Well, I mean, I'd first make sure, are they movable? You try them, and they are, in fact, movable now. Okay, they were not no. previously. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Uh, may I make an uh, investigation arcana check to try to discern kind of the pattern here? Um. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Okay, that's a 25. A 25? Um, so looking at it now, it doesn't actually look like it's any particular pattern, but the one thing you notice is when you move one of the worlds, they all move. Hmm. Okay. So I think, I think in my mind, I would like go for Turl because that would just be kind of like a kind of rule of thumb. You're living in your own planet. Start mm -hmm. moving that one. 
Yeah. So you move that one and you just kind of like pull it along the circular track and all of the other worlds are moving along their tracks as well. There must be some sort of gear system located below the surface that kind of move all of the pieces when you move any of them. Um, and as you move them around, at some point after several rotations, they all align and it locks into place and there's a click. All right. Uh, what's open now? Is it the box or is it something else? It appears the lid of the box is now free. Then, yeah, um, similar to last time, Hannah and I, uh, I guess, kind of like look over the box as we open it up and see what's inside. Yeah, you open the box and there is a puff of dust <laughs> and you see several items inside. One appears to be a ancient looking smaller wooden box with markings across all of it that you do not recognize. There is a small bundle of silk, and then there seems to also be a ledger of some sort with old faded parchment, and also a scroll tube. Okay, yeah, I think I would first start off by uh, taking the silk and kind of unraveling it. Yeah, as you unravel it, there's a soft orange glow that illuminates the immediate part of the room, and you see a small, fiery orange glowing piece of crystal and i look at it and i kind of like turn it over um what i in, what i inherently know that this is like may not cinder sharp but like an arcane focus it presumably could be used like an arcane focus there's not really anything special about an arcane focus other than its ability to channel magic but the fact that this seems to be glowing on its own of some sort of magical source would make you think it could be used like that I think that while I'm like looking this over, I would like hand the, the scroll to Hannah to look over just while I'm now like examining this um, first. Mm -hmm. She pops the top off of it and uh, pulls out the old rolled up sheet of Velium and unrolls it. This is the Sword Coast. All the labels are in shoe, however. There's something here labeled in the Lurkwood. Lurkwood? To the northeast. I look over, um, look at the map, and then, like, kind of quickly, like, run over to, like, a couple of notes that I have, um, on the wall and just rip them down and bring them over to the table as I'm, like, looking at it all. <laughs> you knock some other books over, the stack just slides off, and papers kind of go everywhere, but you have the, the maps that you were looking for. On that, I, yeah, I make my way over, like, my my conjuration dissertation to the table. I just throw it to the ground and just uh, <laughs> this lay is it worthless. all out. <laughs> no, uh, the only people that are going to read this is me and, like, maybe one person looking for a $10 bill later. Come on. Um, but, yeah, I, like, lays out the maps. It's like, Lurkwood. Hmm. There's actually a ledger as well. Oh, yeah, the ledger. So the ledger is written in shoe. Hannah can loosely interpret it, but it appears to be notes. Um, the previous owner of this box was from Shulung and was searching for a downed Spelljammer vessel that he seems to believe went down in the Lurkwood hundreds of years ago. He said records indicate that the Uthgart warriors of that area worship a great beast that generally matches the description of a particular spell jamming ship. Look, Hannah, this is this is what I've been talking about. This is this is like part of my work. Look, I mean, we got 
evidence here. It proves at least one other person's as crazy as you are. Okay, yes, at least, you know, there's there's multiple people who at least think like I do. You're correct. <laughs> I can't deny that I'm not intrigued by all of this, though. I've been thinking about there might be a crash ship maybe somewhere close by. Maybe someone can go. But, I mean, this... Look, what, what, that's not that far from here, right? A couple days. Yes, a couple of days, exactly. And, like, you see Marco already has, like, jumped over to his bed and is now, like, pulling it up and, like, pulls out, like, a small sack of gold. And he's, like, on the counter, like, counting out gold coins. Like, all right, listen, we could, um... Yeah, yes, um... It wouldn't be that much for, for travel, but, I mean... We, we already have some excavation uh, things. I mean, I'm sure the college would be more than happy to lend it to us. And if I lend it to us, I mean, they wouldn't mind if it goes amiss for a couple of days. Um, <laughs> she laughs and is just kind of smiling at your excitement. <laughs> All right, we can do this. Hannah, um, d- listen, d- do you have anything to do over the next, what, uh, week? Um, no. When do we leave? Um, as soon as possible. I mean, we need to get the stuff together, obviously. But I mean, I would think in like, you know... A day or so at most. I mean, who needs to really sleep at this moment? <laughs> I think many people that aren't you, but I wouldn't expect you to hold anyone else to your own standards. Oh, I wouldn't. You can sleep in the ca- carriage. I'll, I'll stay awake. Um... <laughs> and then she goes, oh, shoot. Uh, I guess she kind of like glances at the nearby clock and goes, eh, what's an award anyway? I, oh, and I, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm um. I'm lost in my thought again. Um, please, I mean, I don't want you to miss out on anything on, on my account. I mean, this is fascinating. Look, but I, I, honestly, seeing you this excited about this, I I don't think there's anywhere else I'd rather be. All, all right, then. Well, um, let's get our stuff together. We can meet tomorrow morning and, and plan out the logistics and getting to, get to, getting to Lurkwood. She's smiling at you, and she starts like she's going to say something, and then she kind of stops herself. You know what? Yeah. That sounds like a great plan. Um, we leave in the morning. We, we leave in the morning, of course. Um, he's like, Hannah, um, Hannah, thank you. Don't. Just, I mean, only friend, but at the same time, like... Don't, don't mention it. You're, you're the best friend I've ever had. You're, you're the best, I can't... She sighs, but then smiles. <laughs> let's just get ready for this voyage. Okay, let's, yes, let's. And uh, Marco's already, like, ripping down, like, things that are important and, like, shoving into bags and stuff. What a good friend she was. <laughs> Important question. Was Hannah nominated for an Emmy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> she was, but she was a super underdog, so she knew she wasn't going to win, but it's always good to be nominated, plus with such great company. <laughs> that actually all took place in Indianapolis. <laughs> Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> I- I'm going to like toot my own horn here for a second, because no one else will see this. But in order to get into character, I actually got, like, my notes that I usually use and wrote in the style that I usually take my notes so I could really get into the character of someone oh lost in a Aww. table for, like, three to five hours. Fucking method acting. <laughs> right. I mean, I tried to get into this. Now I have a whole bunch of notes in my one notebook that I'm going to tear out later, but it was worth it. <laughs> Whenever I try to get into character to play Luckbeak, I think about every wrong thing that I've ever done in my life. That's my method <laughs> acting. Oh, no. Yeah, he really gets me there. Gets me depressed enough to play him. <laughs> Let me get in the, the mood to play my penguin. <laughs> <laughs> um, all righty.
then. Captain Val has pulled the three of you into her captain's quarters. You've been traveling uh, for uh, a few days now, and after an interesting pit stop, you're finally making your final approach to this planet. That interesting pit stop being the Con on the Cob live show we haven't recorded yet. <laughs> no spoilers, Nicholas. <laughs> you guys remember that great good old time we had? Oh, what fun that was. Yeah. All those friends that we met, those two, possibly three friends that we had with us. And God, the two it was so to fun. three friends. Oh. Two to three new friends. Yeah. <laughs> Never forget them. <laughs> the weird mass hallucination of a laugh track, you know. <laughs> oh no! Live it really, there in the moment. It will be if you think anybody's going to laugh at that show. It definitely is a yeah. hallucination. Yeah. <laughs> I assume you're going to add that in post. Yeah, uh, naturally. <laughs> anyway, so you guys are all in Val's office. All right, we'll be making our final approach down to Adilfos here, and then. We'll be setting down, and it's up to you. Um, she kind of looks at Marco. Marco, you were the driving force behind coming here, so I stand on what I said before. You're in charge. Marco kind of looks very tired and just says, um, Thank you very much, Val. It's, uh, I won't let you down. I'm certain that we're going to find something here that's going to really help a lot. Val will say, All right, um... Well, you being in charge, you can decide who you're going to take with you. Um, I can al allocate eight total people from the crew. That includes the three of you. So you can choose up to five individuals to take with you. Okay. Um, is there anyone that you need to stay here? Obviously, Salon is needed to pilot the Voidfarer if we should need to make any emergency maneuvers. Um, uh... Coot should probably stay as well, as I would like to keep the rest of my crew fed. Um, but I think beyond that, we can probably spare most everyone else. All right. Um, I'll get to work on that. I'll have you a list um, in about an hour or so. I have a couple of names, but I just want to confer it with Ravenous and uh, Flapwing before we uh, make any definitive statements, if that's okay. Sure. Ravenous and Flapwing are, in fact, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and actually at that moment, Marco, uh, Cyrus speaks up in your ear and says, and if you would like, I can give you what information I have upon the planet. So you know what to expect upon our arrival. We can discuss this later if you'd like. Yes, I was, uh, I was hoping for that, Cy. I mean, um, all things considered, I need as much, uh, brain power on this as well. So you're invaluable. And also you're with me no matter what. So, um, Yeah. Anything and everything that you can add, please, please do so. Val is looking at you with an eyebrow raised, and she go, "Oh, you're talking to your. Never mind. I was confused oh. for a second. Sorry. Yes. Um. I've tried to keep it. Sometimes I accidentally uh speak whatever I'm thinking to to Cy. Um. Sorry. It must be awkward. Only a little, but it it's fine. I'll survive. All right, then. Um, then we'll be making our final approach, so uh, you are free to go about and make your final preparations. Uh, go ahead and uh, get me that list of the crew you're wishing to take with you, and you can get them together and make sure that they're prepared as well. Uh, thank you. And um, probably, like, lead, like, Ravnus and Flapwing outside and, you know, go to oh, talk about uh, it. Oh, Flapwing, I almost forgot. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, regarding that um, favor you asked of me uh, a few days back, uh, I did hear back from Maggie. Um, she has her information network keeping an eye on uh, your oh, okay. associates, I guess. Right, yeah. Uh, good, good. I, uh, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. They seem fine for now, but she'll continue to keep an eye out and notify me if anything should come up. Uh, okay, please, just let me know immediately if anything does. Will do. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, Marco leads the other two of you out of Val's uh, quarters, and what are you doing? Um, after we do, I think I'd probably turn around and go, I have a couple of ideas of people I'd like to bring along. I'd like to hear your all's two cents before I think of anything, and also I don't want to, I don't know, be a, a tyrant over here, so... Yeah, um, whatever you all have to say, please. I, I, I'd love to hear it. I mean, you don't you don't mind if we get a little input into this? I mean, I mean, I would love for Merrick to come along, but I mean, that's that's pretty selfish. Well, I mean, I'm going to need at least somebody who, um, I do need a couple of people that would be very hearty and could do some heavy lifting. Oh. So Merrick would be perfect. Oh, perfect. Who else were you thinking? Well, in terms of heavy lifting, maybe Roxana too. I mean, her her other name's Rock Thrower. She could also be good in a fight if we can encounter anything dangerous. Beyond that, um, I was wanting either Johannes, Scriv, or Orella just for their insights on the matter. I, I like. I mean, Scriv is great. Yeah. Um. Any objections to any of those? No. I mean, what other? slots do we have to fill we have two big guys a smart guy i mean well somebody quick or like well in terms of quickness the quickest one i know besides looking over to ravness would probably be ezerath we should bring her even if we can even if it's just to find out more about what's going on between the three of us yeah that is fair we need to get her alone for any amount of time you're you're really okay with that, Revness? Why wouldn't I be? Well, I mean, she says, blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I know you two. What do you know? <laughs> I know you two have your differences sometimes. She's a good fighter, and we still need to find out what's going on with us. That might lead us to more information about what is going on with us seeing the squids and no one else. Right? Yeah. Um. I got one more spot left. The other two I was thinking was Orella for her healing capabilities, or Brohane for his strength. I mean, I... and also Brohane has a spider mech. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think Orella makes the most sense to me, but I don't care either way. Ravnus, I know you have issues with Orella. Orella has issues with me. Well, we could do Doc instead. I. <laughs> <laughs> Marco just kind of looks straight forward and says, why don't we just go with Brohane and I'm sure it'll be fine. Mm, okay. Brohane, you do know that Brohane does have the capability of providing some healing as he is an alchemist that can create healing drafts. Well, there we go. So, I mean, like, not like the A plus healer, but like <laughs> still serviceable without baggage of the crew. <laughs> and uh, they're, I mean, 
this is coming out after Con on the Cob, but this we're recording this before Con on the Cob. Uh, there is a themed drink called Brohane's Healing Draft that'll be at our party. <laughs> mm. Will it be mm. healing? <laughs> Might prefer for the hangover. Depends on your definition of healing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it depends on what kind of wounds you're trying to heal. That's fair. Emotional ones? Yes. <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but uh, beyond that, I think uh, Marco would say, in terms of the two of you, once again, I don't want to be um, too overbearing, but I was thinking that Ravnus, um, you have a pretty good kind of eye for anything that involves squids, so if you can find anything and everything that could involve squids, that would be fantastic, and Flapwing, uh, you're great at appraising, so anything of value, anything that looks important yeah, could, could definitely be helpful. Okay, can uh, do. But yeah, beyond that, um, Scriv, Merrick, Roxana, Ezerath, and Brohane. Does that sound like a good five? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, then let's go let Val know so that she's not uh, waiting with bated breath for too long. Yeah, you go and inform Val, and then she goes and informs those five. And sometime later, uh, they are assembling on... The deck. Was there anything in particular you guys wanted to try to acquire or like equipment wise or anything else you wanted to do to prepare? Um, I mean, Marco would probably go through his regular steps of like getting excavation tools. Um, he would probably in a very dry sense for right now how he is um, explain like excavating, um, making sure you don't break anything. Uh, and once again, the nicest way he possibly can to say, please don't break things. Um, but yeah, th like his preparation would just be long-winded uh, conversations about, you know, mm -hmm. how to be respectful and also to be careful. Yep. And uh, by by Val's orders, any of the standard exploration gear that you would need uh, can be allocated to you um, through the commissary. Hmm. Um, can I make a check or anything to see if there's anything in particular that would be like of a great benefit to me that I don't already just have by virtue of me being who I am? Sure. Um, what check would that be? Maybe investigation or just an intelligence uh, check? You could just make a straight intelligence check. Okay. All right. That's a 17. So you kind of have all the bases covered because you have like your like excavation gear. Um, we can say that includes like shovels and pickaxes and like smaller implements for more fine tuned excavating. Um, that'll also include things like pythons and rope. Um, and uh, basically just everything you need to scale beyond that. You don't actually know what the terrain or the environment of this planet is yet. Um, so beyond that, it's kind of hard to know any other specific things you might need. Um, beyond like normal excavating and adventuring stuff and like your standard camping stuff. I think that um, Marco would go to Silk Feather and ask if um, she could move some of her wares upstairs for the time being just for easy access in case we run into like something that we weren't expecting. She'll nod and she can say she'll put in a work order to Val and they, she can put some of the gunners and riggers and stuff that aren't doing anything to help shuttle some crates up to the top deck. I think for everyone else, like, Marco is, like, looking much more rugged than he usually looks after he puts <laughs> all of his, like, gear on. 
Like there's a brief moment where he almost looks cool, like almost. Wow. Okay. A couple like uh, Todd McFarlane packs around you will do that to anybody, I guess. <laughs> it you basically like Doctor Doppler from Treasure Planet in like the full like diving suit. <laughs> yep. Anything else you're doing to prepare? Um. Yes, uh, I think that Mark would probably find a time to like sit down and be like, "All right, Sai, um, what's some things that you can give me? Like, what's the general terrain? What, 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 what should I expect at least in terms of the planet?" Of course, um, the planet of Delphos is uh, primarily shrouded in a thick atmosphere, despite being located halfway between the primary sun and the torchbearer. It keeps a relatively warm atmosphere through this greenhouse gas effect. Um, its temperature is quite temperate, and the location of the Lyceum Arcanus is temperate and comfortable all year round. It is uh, located on a natural canyon. The The city itself uh, is ancient, in fact, um, predating even the Kratorian Empire. Um, it served as a center of archives for knowledge seekers even before the empire was founded and that base of knowledge was only expanded through imperial rule the city is beautiful located onto either side of the canyon and extending down within it a large dam spans the canyon creating a massive reservoir on the top side and a canal on the lowest levels of the city through the canyon there are many beautiful waterfalls and terraces and gleaming towers of the different institutions that make up this massive library city uh let me ask this has been quite some time since you've been there what was the geology like is there any potential for massive erosion that could have sent anything toppling into this canyon? I mean, I suppose it's possible after this long, but the you know as well as any, I would presume, that towers built by wizards have a way of standing a long time. Um, and just about every tower in this city was built by a wizard. Mm. Okay, so we, we yeah, okay, we're good. I can't speak for any other passages of time, but I guess we'll have to see when we get there. I guess so. I mean, even magic eventually degrades with time, um, but that's good. That's that's uh, not in the right direction. Um, in terms of information that we're looking for about the squids, about uh, should we call them squids, uh, about the illithids, about. Um, potential mind control. Is there any particular wing that we should look for? Is there anywhere that might have more information than others so we're not digging through, you know, I don't know, ancient children's books, you know, feeling yes. around in the dark? So the city colloquially is generally referred to as one giant library, but in fact, it is a vast network of many smaller libraries, each independently run by the institution that it is located. The city itself being broke up into different districts, each controlled by a different institution. Some of these institutions are academies and universities specializing in different schools of magic. My order, the Rift Centuries, was an institution of its own here. And our uh, collection is where the information regarding the aberrations and mind flares will be found as we would often 
requisition access to other institutions' collections, and then commission copies of the relevant information to expand our own collection. I was really born in the wrong time and space. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master and sentient dire turkey in disguise. Tell no one. Thanks for listening to this premiere episode of Chapter 6. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, if you are enjoying listening as much as we are enjoying playing, we'd be incredibly appreciative if you considered supporting us over on the Project Derailed Patreon. Get access to patron-exclusive Discord channels, extended Q&A episodes, and at the $7 tier, a whole extra podcast where we just sit and bullshit about whatever. And we know not everyone is able to pitch in, but you can always support the show at no cost to you by leaving a review on iTunes or simply spreading the word on social media. And as always, just thanks for listening. Visit patreon.com slash project derailed if you'd like to subscribe. You should give us a follow on our social media if you haven't already at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. Come hang out with us over at the Project Derailed Community Discord. We are always over there talking tabletop RPGs, sharing memes, discussing anything and everything pop culture, and playing games. Head to projectderailed.com slash discord to join. Are you naked? It's okay. We're not here to judge. But if you decide you don't want to be naked anymore, and you want to solve that problem, and also support your favorite D&D 5e Spelljammer podcast called Tales of the Voidfarer, well, I am here to tell you you can do exactly that by going to redbubble.com slash project derailed. And you know what? You can snag some Fables Around the Table merch too while you're there. If, you know, the whole nudist thing doesn't work out. You do you, my dude. Theme song by Tom Goldthwait and additional music by purple-planet.com. The next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will land on Tuesday, December 7th. See you then. Cyrus will continue. Now, as for the associate of Archon Nasticia, um, Actuary Gallinus Perlego, I am uncertain exactly where his, I guess, uh, quarters, office, place of study um, is going to be located. Um, so that's something we might have to do some digging on. Um, actually, I think Marco has an idea as he's kind of going over this. Um, he's going to write down in Kratorian words like um, mind control, um, like illusion magics, um, any sort of like mind control magics, illithid, um, mind flayer. So like the closest translation I can get to those. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wonder if this spell and enchantment that's on the world right now is going to count for ancient Kratorian, but I'm just going to hand it out to everybody that's going on this thing and saying, if you see these symbols, be sure to keep them and hand them to me. Yeah, everybody, you obviously can't read Kratorian. Um, when you get handed these sheets of paper, they are symbols in Kratorian script, and you have no idea what they say. <laughs> so, I mean, like, every time we run into some script, do we have to check it up against this? Not to go through books looking for these things, but if you see a book with massive text on the side that has the symbols on them, 
get them to me. Okay. Um, what are they? They're symbols for illithid, mind flayers, mind control, anything like that. So anything that could be tangentially related to what we're looking for. The others won't really know what it means. And I mean, I'm looking, seeing your two face, I know you don't either, but point being, um, if you see like a textbook or a book that has like this on the cover, that means it might be something that we're looking for. Okay. So don't go prying through any book that you find looking for symbols. Just, you know, cover, don't see it. Don't worry about it. I'll look at it later if I can. Cyrus will chime up and say, one of the things we could potentially look for when we arrive is to see if there's a librarian that can help us find this information. I'm, I'm sorry. And I say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. Flapwing and Ravnus. <laughs> Marcus just kind of like <laughs> crosses his eyes for a second and then says, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cyrus, it's been thousands of years. This planet's probably abandoned. I, I, we might find a skeleton. I suppose that it's possible that there aren't many functioning anymore, but you never know. Okay, we're missing some steps here, Sai, so back back up. Tra Are there mechanical librarians? Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Um, I sometimes just forget myself and that you don't know anything about <laughs> anything uh yes it actually there there are uh constructs specifically designed for navigating the entire city looking for specific bits of information as you can imagine having information spread out across many different private libraries all categorized in different ways across institutions um we needed to devise a way to parse all of that information so we created the librarians. I'm going to just breeze past the uh, you don't know anything bullshit. And just uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kind of in my own mind, just like... It's an imaginary roll in my eyes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it goes to... Okay, so you created maybe mechanical librarians just to parse out all this information. So there might be one that's still functional. Is this going to be like a Warforge? It's... No, they're not humanoid it, it's hard to explain look um i'll point one out if we find one that's probably the easiest way to do it all right fair enough well that will be beneficial so thank you sai my pleasure oh and uh he says and he kind of like in a hushed tone even though it doesn't really matter say also if there's a way that maybe while we're here we can maybe look into finding a way to get my own body back um if we can fit it in uh I would appreciate it. I mean, of course, I'm sure we got nothing but time here. So we'll we'll also look into uh, getting you getting you a, a, a body. Thank you. Oh, of course. Um, thanks for all of your assistance. Uh, I'm gonna say, um, hey, Marco. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I'd like to maybe knock this out in an afternoon. Do you think that's gonna be possible? Afternoon might be pushing it, but I think that it wouldn't be. Exceptional on why. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I I got I got some bad news earlier, and I would just like to you know kind of take care of it asap. It's it's nothing to worry about right now. It's just um, I I'd like to get done with this sooner rather than later. Oh, shit. Uh, yes. Um, we'll try to be as quick as we can. Yeah, that's 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 good. Thank you. Uh, sorry. It's okay. 
the the five crew members that you picked are starting to come up onto the deck with their supplies. Ezerath sets down her pack and kind of crosses her arms and kind of says to all of you, but mostly to Ravness. So what is it that we are going down here looking for? Um, and uh, Ra- did they talk about like, there's no reason why we're like super duper hiding this, right? Besides I the... So. I don't think that it's like our choice like i think we're trying to be open about it but then the response is like the right. magic just within, within like the realm of yeah um okay so she's going to say um we're looking for some books on stuff books on stuff yeah she just like mm-hmm. slow blinks at you <laughs> Ezerath, um I think the best way I can put it is this. Um, There is a lot of strange magic going on right now, including, but not limited to, the three of us with all of the problems you have with us. So we're trying to figure out what that is and how we can fix it. She'll nod slowly and go, All right, well, I guess I can't argue with that. This is a library, from what I've gathered. Indeed, it's a city library, like a li- like a, si- a, a a library the size of a city. Um, she'll look at Ravnus and then look back to the group and just nod. You'll want to help with this, trust me. All right. Yes. Um, I guess to go over uh, roles and everything. Um, so for most of you, Merrick, Roxana, Brilhain. As a wrath, you will primarily be needed for a mix of protection and and manual labor. I don't know what we're going to encounter there. It could be dangerous, and you all are some of the best fighters on the crew. In addition, you're also some of the strongest on the crew, so we might actually have to do a little excavation, and there might be some farm uh, work that needs to go into it. Merrick kind of looks around and goes, Ah, oh, I'm one of the best fighters on the crew. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> he looks all excited. <laughs> yeah, Marco's gonna just breeze past that without a wow. Rude. Marco's just gonna be like, "Yes, um, I mean, I do think that you're capable. You saved my life." <laughs> Merrick's like, "You're not here because of nepotism at all." <laughs> Listen, you are here for your muscles, <laughs> your big strapping muscles. <laughs> um, Roxana will say. Well, protection is something I can certainly provide. And she, like, hefts her big great axe over her shoulder. Love her. And um, I'm assuming um, also Ira would be very beneficial, Brohane, if you're okay with that. Yeah, uh, Brohane is actually in the process of loading supplies (laughs) up into Ira's ass. (laughs) No. Because that is canonically where the car got Nightmare. The ab- it's it's a spider shaped mech, so it has like a big fucking abdomen. And that's where the stuck just a Mr. To, potato Head. Is. Yeah, basically. <laughs> She's got a real trunk on her. Uh-huh. <laughs> got that dump truck ass. <laughs> Jesus. Literally. I think that it might be best also, Scriv. Um, you will be working with me to try to keep track of everything, since you are way quicker at writing than the rest of us. Well, I am exceptionally good at writing. 
Fantastic. That's that's exactly why you're here. Riding and intelligence, so thank you, Scriv. And also healing. That too. Azerath, I want you to stay close to Ravnus if you don't mind. <laughs> I think you both complement <laughs> each other in terms of strengths and weaknesses, so you could both work well together. Still standing there with her arms crossed. I've been informed that you're in charge, so whatever you say. <laughs> and she doesn't look at Ravnus here. <laughs> um, in addition to that, it's probably best that we have a little bit of a buddy accounting system, because sometimes there can be situations where someone goes missing. So if someone's always watching somebody, there's less likelihood that they go missing. So Flapwing with Merrick. Scrib with me, Ravnus Azarath, and Roxana Brohane. So just keep track of your person in case they go missing suddenly so that we can go and find them as quick as possible. Flapwing and Merrick execute a very complicated secret handshake when you pair them up. <laughs> oh. Boo, doo -doo, doo -doo. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a vocal component <laughs> to it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the that's theme song I've been doing whenever Luckbeak and Merrick have like... <laughs> con game shenanigans <laughs> so you were singing along with your own backing music just now i love it yeah <laughs> um with that said one other thing um i doubt that we will come across this this is a city of learning and not some of the typical kind of excavation sites i deal with but if something looks like a trap please don't set it off um and that's just for everybody's safety not just me yelling at you it's uh i don't want any of you all to get hey wait i think i'm confused we are gonna be all together in the library right that is correct this is more there have been times in other excavation sites where we have all been together then suddenly somebody hits a switch and suddenly falls through a hole and the hole closes mm -hmm. so this is more the old just... indiana jones <laughs> <laughs> precisely <laughs> This is more just to make sure that there's always accountability in case something like that happens and suddenly someone goes missing. Yeah. Someone's always close by to... Guys, 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 there's no pit traps in D&D. &D. <laughs> <laughs> um, beyond that, I don't want to be a tyrant here, so if anybody has any objections or questions, um, I'm happy to hear them now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Yeah, it's, it's, it seems pretty easy. No, we, we got it. All right, uh... Well, if that's the case, then um, I'm sure this will be a fun and boring adventure of nothing but looking at books and rocks. So, I mean, oh boy. So, as you're having this conversation, standing on the deck, you do see the planet Adelphos growing larger and larger. This kind of gray, white, overcast. The whole planet is covered in cloud cover, basically. And right around when you're finishing this conversation, the Voidfarer begins entering the atmosphere. And you feel the air envelope of the Voidfarer dissipate as the planet's atmosphere takes over. And you are immediately chilled to the bone. The air is frigid cold. Hmm. Um, and as you descend lower and lower, you break through the bottom of the clouds and you see that the entire surface of the planet is frozen. Oh. Nothing but a frozen ice scape. Um. And you can even see, like, as you're still up high, many different lower sets of clouds churning and moving across as there seems to be pockets of 
raging snowstorm dotting the surface of the planet. Is this what we expected to see? From my conversation with Cyrus, do we have the right planet? Johannes! <laughs> this is the right planet! <laughs> he shouts from <laughs> in the background. <laughs> it's been like four months since I confused planets. <laughs> Freund life! <laughs> I don't know why he sounds like Jerry <laughs> Lewis this episode to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's always uh, all right, like all right. That. I dig it. Uh, we dug Jerry up to play <laughs> Johannes for this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cyrus says, oh, well, it appears I've underestimated the sheer power of 10,000 years time. Obviously. So this planet's going through an ice age? It would appear so? Can I make an arcana check to see if I feel any, like, or sense any, like, weird fuckery on the wind? Uh, <laughs> you can make a nature check first. Okay. My less let, intelligence let, let's, do, let's do Occam's Razor first, <laughs> and then we'll get into magic fuckery. <laughs> sense any weird fuckery. <laughs> okay, that's still at the 21 nature. Uh, you have no reason to think that this isn't just a naturally occurring ice age on this planet. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, it's been 10,000 years. That's more than enough time. You know, there's a lot of factors given the uh, the location of this planet and its orbit. But you also don't know really anything about any of that or anything about like the planet's geology or climate or any of that. Um, but it's perfectly reasonable for an ice age to occur to where Cyrus's description could have been perfectly accurate 10,000 years ago. But now it is totally different. Okay, so Marco going into now, like, excavator mode, just like, like, silk feather, silk feather. Yes, hon, what can I get for you? Um, and I drop as, like, much coin as needed. I was like, we need, um, winter climbing boots, um, crampons, um, heavy coats, uh, pickaxes. I'm trying, I'm not, I'm going through literally mountain climber, like, the little that I have of mountain climbing. <laughs> uh she she looks at the coin and she like kind of pushes it back at you and you go uh i i believe um miss rain said that all of this was taken care of um the, due to your acquisitions voucher for this particular expedition um oh, so i can look and see what i got uh i don't really got a whole lot in the way of cold weather stuff but i might have enough to at least equip you to a basic degree uh, the important thing is um, crampons for shoes. Roxana is going to speak up and say, I will not need much. This reminds me of home. Are you are you sure? Frostbite's uh, is, is not discriminatory. <laughs> she is a Goliath and has uh, natural resistance to cold. Just making sure. <laughs> Fun fact, so does Lucky. I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of home too, but I'm, I'm still not a fan of that. I'd rather be warm. <laughs> he's a melogenistic uh, penguin yeah uh <laughs> roxana is gonna say i am not refusing any warmth i just saying i will not need as much as others mm -hmm. but if you wish to travel luxuriously my little penguin friend then by all means all right so now the buddy system comes even to more effect because now we're going to have to be tied together to make sure we don't fall through a ice chasm if we run into it Oh, but I didn't give Nick an idea. <laughs> None I haven't already had. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think the first thing that's going to happen is um, 
Marco would probably like hand out rope to like probably groups of four and keep like stronger groups together so that they can kind of like if Roxana falls through, we don't all just go tumbling into the chasm. Mm -hmm. Now, um, as you're even just standing on the deck, the air is getting colder by the second. And as you're descending, the wind is picking up as well. And you can actually see little icicles starting to form on all of the ship's ropes and riggings. Okay, so we probably need to go quickly. Val is going to shout up from the quarterdeck. Well, Salon has just informed me that uh, we have a slight change of plans. It appears that there are frequent snowstorms that sweep across this planet. We'll have to wait for a window in them to drop you off and we won't be able to stay on the surface. We'll have to take the ship back up into orbit. What? Uh, so, how will we get in contact with you when we're ready? Um, she will toss you a small stone. Mm, oh, I already don't like this. <laughs> and you catch it and you look at it and it is actually one half of the stone you gave her. Oh, weird. <laughs> and... It looks like the sending stone that you got from the suzerain that you gave Val has been sheared in half. And she goes, I gave it to Brohane. He kind of reworked it for us. Oh, oh. That'll contact directly to me. I'll have the other half on me at all times. Okay. If it makes you feel any better, Flapwing, I also have sending and that uh, works in most, most scenarios. Yeah, that's better. Okay, cool. All right. Perfect. Well, then... Let's sit and wait and get warm, I suppose, until we can actually land on this thing. Yep. Silkfeather brings up some chests full of warm clothes. You can all find a set that fits you. It's not the most fashionable, but it will at least function. It's not the heaviest, like, cloaks and, and coats and boots and stuff you've seen, but it, it's better than you have now. But it's definitely going to be, like, important to make sure you find sources of heat when you make camp and, and that sort of thing. Survival is going to be an element this chapter. So keep that Boy. in mind. Um, so before we sort of like move on, Ravenous is kind of like checking to make sure that they have now enough rations if the Voidfarer is going to have to go back into orbit. That's fair. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, um. she makes sure that they have enough for like a while. And Roxana is actually going to say when you're like going through them, and you're going to want to prioritize the dry rations as anything with any moisture in it will freeze solid very quickly. That makes sense. And uh, Ravenous will start doing that. So I'll say with the supplies um, from the Voidfarer, you are able to get rations for seven days for each of you. Okay. okay. So seven days for eight people. Specifically rations that... Uh, won't freeze as quickly uh, question on that one nick is this seven days of rations already being rationed out or is this like comfy rations that we can also stretch out if we get stuck here for two yeah. weeks uh it is it is like normal level of like travel rations so one okay. ration is like enough food for you for the day and then are we gonna travel at a grueling pace or a uh, relaxed pace on our way to fort sumter or <laughs> um i think hey, I the answer would at, be i haven't looked at ice oh, oh god <laughs> please don't <I'm> gonna. <laughs> we gotta uh move quick to actually get somewhere safe yeah so um as you get closer and closer to the surface um there is in fact a break in the blizzard and 
the void fair sets you down and you can actually just see through the snowy haze a dark large rift probably about a hundred feet away um and like kind of soft mounds presumably are the ruins of buildings up here but cyrus can tell you that the canyon that the majority of the city is located is just over there and um you can tell that you're gonna want to get there quickly because it appears another storm is not far away and these ruined structures around have icicles that are horizontal coming Ooh, off of them. Wow. Okay, so this is like deadly sort of winds. This is winds that'll blow your skin off. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So, uh, Brohane is on the back of Ira. He's in his furred coats and he has goggles on. Um, looking not dissimilar from Luke Skywalker on the back of his Tauntaun. <laughs> uh, and uh, Merrick will actually hop up uh, on the back of Ira with Brohane. Um, and uh, he's going to say, all right, well, it doesn't look like we have a lot of time. We should right. probably make it into that canyon before the next storm rolls in. All right, um... How about we say Roxana takes the lead? This seems to be your, uh, where you're going to shine the most. Um, she'll nod, and she will start trekking down the gangplank into the snow. I think just, just before that, I would ask everyone who is, profi like, who is proficient in survival tactics. Let me check my character sheet. Because, fun fact, the only thing I do not have a prof the only non-intelligence proficiency I have is survival. And not me. I have proficiency in survival but it's not very good because it's wisdom based yeah I mean it, it's it's something though you know yeah it's something you're like our you're like our third string quarterback but still on the team <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah that's great you get to sit there and you're still gonna get a letter jacket at the end of this campaign <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think uh it's probably going to be Marco and Roxana who would would have probably the highest. So yeah, I uh, think Marco and Roxana would be the two in front. Okay. Um, you don't need to make a, a survival check here because, like, you know, you can see your destination. Um, but the snow here is pretty deep. You do have to, like, slog your way through it. Um, and I need everybody to make me a constitution saving throw. Oh, boy. We're going to get uh, right does into Does resist cold do anything for me here? Uh, you have gotcha. advantage. Constitution. Oh, good thing I just got a thing. <laughs> um, I got a five and seven is twelve. I got a fifteen. Same. Uh, twelve. Okay, fifteen. And Marco got a fifteen. Correct. Uh, you guys are good. The wind is piercing cold. Uh, even with the wind not like blowing at full strength. The air hurts your face. <laughs> mm, I hate this. Just like living in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even as you're going, uh, Scriv seems to slow down slightly, and uh, Merrick is immediately shivering, even though he's like riding on the back of, of hmm. Ira. But everybody else seems fine. Um, they both have a level of exhaustion already. Oh my god. Oh no. Oof. All right, let's get them um, inside and warm them up. Yeah. So you guys eventually get to the rim of this canyon and look down, and 
Marco, you can kind of see a little bit kind of what Cyrus was describing, sort of. You look down into this massive city that is spanning this canyon that is several hundred feet wide. You can see the remains of a massive dam. Think Hoover Dam sized dam, um, but it looks like a good section of it has broken, which has left the entire bottom of this canyon frozen solid as apparently some time ago the dam broke, water flooded the city and froze. These spires and archways and terraces that once made up this beautiful city are now covered in ice and snow. Icicles hanging from some terraces all the way down to the ground. You see what clearly used to be waterfalls from several locations all along the rim of the canyon to either side of the dam have frozen solid mid-motion. <laughs> oh boy. Um, it is a site that is as beautiful as it is ominous. Nick, can I do, as we're sort of traveling, just like maybe, uh, I don't know if it's perception or what, just to see if there's like any sort of flora or fauna at all around um, yeah, go ahead and make a perception okay. check. That's a 16. A 16? Um, you see that down in the canyon, there are a couple of, like, copses of, like, fir trees. Okay. Um, but they are, are pretty spindly and only seem to be growing, like, in the, like, it seems like it's only possible for them to grow in the protection of the canyon from the winds. But even then, they're kind of, like, clustered in leets formed by, like, buildings and stuff. Um, which makes you think that even down in the canyon, it's still pretty treacherous with the ice and the wind. So they can only really grow in little sheltered areas. But with that 16, you don't see any fauna, but you do see what looks like tracks way down at the bottom of the canyon which you think for a second if you can see them from this distance they must be very large Ooh, yeah okay um i kind of point them out as a curiosity to everyone else like uh hey wow look at that those are huge do they look like any creature i've seen before uh, it's kind of hard for you to make out with, with your 16. Um, right. Uh, I guess uh, make a... So you, you, that was a perception. Make a nature check. Okay. There's a 12. A 12. Hard to tell. From this distance, you can't tell if it's bipedal or quadrupedal, and you can't really make out the shape. You can just see that the snow is disrupted in a repeating pattern along a trail, basically. Okay. Um, something that obviously reads as tracks, but you don't have any other, much detail um, from this distance. Okay. So as you get to the rim, you can see that there are actually uh, ancient stairs that go down. They are covered in ice, but it looks like the railing is still intact. And uh, there is a bridge that spans about 40 feet to a tower that looks like it's still standing. And while it is covered with snow and ice, the interior seems open. How long do you guys think it's been like this? I mean, is this the way the planet's always been, or...? From what Cyrus told me, it used to be very temperate and, uh, lovely. Well, how long ago was that? About 10,000 years. Oh, yeah, okay, that's quite a bit. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that adds up. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get inside so we can at least get warm before the storm comes, and then we can work from there. Yeah. You make your way down and cross the bridge. Luckily, um, the bridge seems sturdy, if icy, but the railings are intact here. Um, and uh, as you're getting to the opening, um, you can see that it is fully enclosed. And while ruined and definitely ice and snow have blown into here, it does seem to be shelter from the wind. And it appears that there's doorways and a staircase that go down, so further shelter uh, is possible. But Marco, as you're crossing this bridge and you're almost getting to the entryway, you see movement out of the corner of your eye above you. All right, um, I'm gonna look up and I'm, I'm gonna make an actual like perception check to see if I can like determine if there's anything there. Yep, so. go ahead. All right. All right, so that is a 13. A 13? Yeah. Um, it's a little hard to see because it is white on a mostly white canvas, but uh, the advantage is it, it is big. So as you're like standing there in the doorway and the others are moving past, you see this motion out of the corner of your eye and above, and you look in time to see large white scaly wings land on a spire probably several thousand feet away its reptilian head on a long neck looking out away from you sniffing the air you see an adult white dragon oh fuck Welcome to the ice chapter. Uh, and everybody hates the ice level. There's no good ice level in a game. You guys didn't think it was just going to be a funnel visit to the library, did you? <laughs> oh, God, no. I thought there was going to be like the Vashta Narada or something from Doctor Who. That's honestly oh, what I was God. Like, That would have been cool. <laughs> Donna Noble has been saved. I mean, you guys did choose this. You could have went to the shipyard. Oh, that would have been like the water level, and that's even worse than the ice level. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. In a city forever in the throes of the battle of good versus evil, a new team of heroes is arising. Follow the action-packed adventures of superheroic teens Limelight, Juno, Jackrabbit, Blazar, and Strawvix as they uncover corruption, fight the bad guys, and defend their high score at the arcade. A new generation is rising in Halcyon City. The team is standing on the shoulders of giants, and they have a long way to fall. Fables Around the Table Super premieres July 28th wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of casts, who's oh ready to hear Chris Pratt as Mario? Oh, oh God. <laughs> that is <laughs> such a weird choice. So, like, I like, get the appeal of, like, casting, like, these celebrities as these characters. But what I almost would have wanted to see is, like... Let Mario be the same Mario he always has been, and then let all of and the side characters. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. 
but like it's gonna be bad no matter what because it's like is it chris pratt doing the mario voice because that's not gonna be good but if it's mario and it just sounds like chris pratt that's also terrible yeah <laughs> i i, I want to be in those meetings like there's just some casting choices that i'm like I would rather see the video footage of what occurred in that meeting than I would like see the movie. Check out patreon.com slash project derailed and subscribe at the $7 tier for more derailed off the rails. Project derailed.com.